1: U.S. says China contracted with criminals to carry out cyber espionage campaigns. Norway says China was behind an attack on its parliamentary email system. China denounces accusations of cyber espionage as slander and says it's the real victim because the CIA is the one stealing IP from China. AWS expels NSO Group from its cloud front CDM. NSO denies it permits its intercept tools to be abused. Saudi Aramco sustains a data breach. Ben Yellen describes calls for bans on government use of facial recognition software. Our guest is Tom Kellerman from VMware on the potential cybersecurity threats facing the Olympic Games. And an MSP struggles with ransomware. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. The U.S. has said that China's Ministry of State Security contracted at least part of its exploitation of Microsoft Exchange servers to criminal organizations, In many cases, those gangs were permitted to profit directly from their activities, a White House statement charged. The United States is deeply concerned that the PRC has fostered an intelligence enterprise that includes contract hackers who also conduct unsanctioned cyber operations worldwide, including for their own personal profit. As detailed in public charging documents unsealed in October 2018 and July and September 2020, Hackers with a history of working for the PRC, Ministry of State Security, have engaged in ransomware attacks, cyber-enabled extortion, cryptojacking, and rank theft from victims around the world, all for financial gain. In some cases, we are aware that PRC government-affiliated cyber operators have conducted ransomware operations against private companies that have included ransom demands of millions of dollars. The PRC's unwillingness to address criminal activity by contract hackers harms governments, businesses, and critical infrastructure operators through billions of dollars in lost intellectual property, proprietary information, ransom payments, and mitigation efforts, End quote. This is more an APT side hustle than it is the sort of privateering the U.S. has accused Russia of tolerating. Reuters reports that among the governments calling out China for cyber espionage is Norway's, which yesterday publicly attributed a March 10th attack on the parliamentary email system to Beijing. This official attribution has been expected for some time. Chinese intelligence services have been the leading suspect in this incident since early in their investigation. Norway made its attribution in connection with the general accusation by more than 30 nations— that China had been engaged in widespread and damaging cyber attacks, China this morning answered the widespread condemnation of its operations with a denial and to Coquay accusations of American misconduct, the Washington Post reports. The rhetoric is in the increasingly familiar wolf warrior style. Beijing spokesperson Zhao Lijian said, quote, the United States ganged up with its allies to make unwarranted accusations against Chinese cybersecurity. This was made up out of thin air and confused right and wrong. It is purely a smear and suppression with political motives. China will never accept this." Quote. Beijing also reacted with displeasure at the U.S. indictment, published yesterday, of four Ministry of State security operators on charges related to theft of intellectual property, it's the U.S. and its allies, Zhao said, who are actually the people engaged in industrial espionage. Quote, China firmly opposes and combats any form of cyber attacks and will not encourage, support, or condone any cyber attacks, end quote. Zhao added that the U.S. CIA has, for the past 11 years, been engaged in hacking aerospace research facilities, the oil industry, Internet companies, and various government agencies. That has had considerable malign effect, Zhao said, and severely compromised China's national and economic security. Zhao called upon the nations of the civilized world to acknowledge that they're the ones at fault, to stop the slander, and to beware of Chinese retaliation. He said, quote, China once again strongly demands that the United States and its allies stop cyber theft and attacks against China. Stop throwing mud at China on cybersecurity issues and withdraw the so-called prosecution. China will take necessary measures to firmly safeguard China's cybersecurity and interests End quote. The denials and counter-accusations aren't particularly plausible, but they're a lot feistier than their Russian equivalents, which usually come down to something along the lines of "Show us the evidence so we can all investigate this together," which is a lot more boring than stop throwing mud. Not more plausible, just more boring. Amazon Web Services told Motherboard that the cloud provider has revoked NSO Group's access to its infrastructure. AWS said, When we learned of this activity, that is, the targeting of journalists, dissidents, and others with NSO Group's Pegasus Intercept tools, we acted quickly to shut down the relevant infrastructure and accounts. NSO Group had used Amazon Web Services' CloudFront Content Delivery Network. It will no longer be able to do so. Amnesty International has published the forensic investigation it conducted into apparent use of Pegasus against the targets described by the Forbidden Stories Pegasus Project. The University of Toronto's Citizen Lab published what it characterized as an independent peer review of Amnesty's work, that review generally concurred with Amnesty's conclusions. NSO Group has categorically denied accusations of abuse reported by The Guardian and others, specifically stating that the leaked data cited in Forbidden Stories reports had no connection to any list of persons or devices targeted by NSO Group's Pegasus tool and that the data had any number of benign uses and explanations. Their letter to The Guardian said, quote, NSO does not operate the systems that it sells to vetted government customers and does not have access to the data of its customers' targets. NSO does not operate its technology, does not collect nor possess, nor has any access to any kind of data of its customers. Due to contractual and national security considerations, NSO cannot confirm or deny the identity of our government customers as well as identity of customers of which we have shut down systems. End quote. NSO, after denying that its products were used in connection with the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, a killing which NSO called heinous, and reiterating its claim that its products can't be used for surveillance of U.S. citizens, said it was committed to doing all it can do to ensure that customers use Pegasus appropriately. Quote, NSO Group will continue to investigate all credible claims of misuse and take appropriate action based on the results of these investigations. This includes shutting down of a customer's system, something NSO has proven its ability and willingness to do due to confirmed misuse, has done multiple times in the past, and will not hesitate to do again if a situation warrants. This process is documented in NSO Group's Transparency and Responsibility Report, which was released last month. Quote. The governments of Rwanda, Hungary, and Morocco told The Guardian that they either didn't use Pegasus or that they didn't understand what the paper was asking them about. India's government replied to The Guardian by suggesting that their coverage exhibited bad faith. A criminal organization that styles itself Zero X is offering a terabyte of proprietary data stolen from Saudi Aramco. Bleeping Computer says the gang claims the data includes personal information on over 14,000 employees, business documents, and engineering information. According to Saudi Aramco, Zero X obtained the data from third parties via exploitation of an unspecified zero day. The attack did not involve ransomware and does not appear to be an extortion play, although a deadline the group imposed looks like a prelude to a ransom demand. The crooks called the deadline a puzzle for Aramco to solve. And finally, Cloudstar, which the record describes as a cloud and managed service provider with a large customer base in the mortgage, title insurance, real estate, legal, finance, and local government sectors, continues its recovery from a ransomware attack it detected Friday. The incident has interfered with real estate transactions, and the record, betting on form, thinks recovery may be a matter of weeks as opposed to days. The Olympic Games have arrived, with the final preparations for the festivities in Tokyo taking place as we speak. As we learned from the most recent games in Korea, the Olympics represent a large, irresistible target for bad actors in the cyber realm. For details on what we might expect going into this year's Olympic Games, we checked in with Tom Kellerman, head of cybersecurity strategy for VMware and member of the U.S. Secret Service's Cyber Investigations Advisory Board.
0: Well, the Olympics present a huge challenge from a cybersecurity perspective, particularly when you have rogue nation states that are going to manifest uh, their angst for not being allowed to participate in the games uh, through cyber attack. Uh, this is compounded by the reality that this will be one of the first Olympics where the majority of viewers and the majority of the audience uh, will be virtual and primarily using uh, computers, phones, tablets uh, to watch the games.
1: So how might that manifest itself? What sort of things are are folks on the lookout for here?
0: I'm very concerned about cyber attacks from North Korea and Russia. Uh, Russia, because of the fact that they're not allowed to participate in the Olympics under the Russian flag uh, as punishment for the doping scandal. And North Korea, obviously, because they're a rogue nation state, um, they have tremendous angst uh, towards Japan. Uh, historical angst, and they are, this is their time to make a statement. And they'll do so with their, their grade-A um, hacker group, you know, a hidden cobra. Uh, that all being said, what I'm most concerned about is the platform by which we observe the Olympic Games being polluted and turned into watering holes. So whether Xfinity, uh, you know, Comcast Xfinity's platform gets backdoored and then used to push malware or, or ransomware against the audience's who are implicitly trusting that feed, uh, that's a great example of something that could occur.
1: Do you think we might see something like DDoSing, where they could come at some of these
0: networks to keep the
1: the feeds from successfully going out?
0: I do think denial of service will be a significant challenge. But more importantly, I'm concerned about those networks and their their virtual platforms, their multimedia platforms being commandeered uh, to be pushing out ransomware against the audience. Uh, We're seeing roughly, you know, 50% of all investigations nowadays that when an organization is breached by a cyber attack, that that organization's infrastructure is then in turn used to attack their customers, uh, what we call island hopping.
1: What is your sense in terms of the Olympic Committee and the host country themselves of being adequately prepared for this?
0: The Japanese have a history of being proactive when it comes to cybersecurity. In terms of the Olympic Committee's uh, security posture, uh, I have no idea. Um, I doubt uh, they've paid as much attention to cybersecurity that they have to physical security, whether it's from uh, terrorist attacks or the pandemic itself. And I do think that the dependence on uh, multimedia platforms and the dependence on mobile applications uh, for tracking and security at the games could present a greater attack surface for hackers around the world.
1: What sort of things have we learned from past Olympics games here? I and mean, we haven't had that many that, that have been you know, in this uh, online digital age that we find ourselves in here today. But um, what do we know from the last couple
0: rounds? What we've learned is that countries who feel like they've been scorned or shunned from the games... Uh, by the Olympic Committee uh, for past actions or malfeasance or the reality that they're, you know, autocracy um, that is anti this type of, uh, you know, sporting event, Uh, more than than often than not, they react in cyberspace. And what I'm concerned about now is that we're going to see attacks that go beyond denial of service and attacks that go beyond just merely trying to steal monies uh, from the audience and the participants. Uh, But more importantly, I could see, you know, a phenomenon where you see a major cloud provider's infrastructure used to deliver uh, ransomware attacks uh, or see destructive attacks against the games themselves in a cyber construct. Well, hopefully, you know, the committee and all organizations are conducting regular threat hunts within their environments to ascertain whether or not a backdoor or a behavioral anomaly exists now, one that could manifest into a more systemic uh, contagion and or delivery mechanism for uh, destructive attacks and, and or ransomware.
1: That's Tom Kellerman from VMware. Our lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program with the largest network of trust centers... That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's from the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security and also my co-host over on the Caveat Podcast. Hello, Ben. Hello, Dave. Uh, interesting story here from the Daily Dot uh, written by Andrew Wirish, And it's titled, Calls for Biden to Ban Facial Recognition Grow After GAO Reports Findings. What's going on here, Ben? So the GAO, the Government Accountability Office, released
2: this report that found that 20 federal agencies either owned or used facial recognition technology and that six of those agencies had employed the technology during the Black Lives Matter protests uh, in the summer of 2020. Hmm. So not only were they reporting that this technology is widely used within federal agencies, but that there was a lack of oversight on the part of these agencies. And 13 agencies had reported to the GAO that they didn't know what non-federal facial recognition systems were being used by their employees. Hmm. Uh, So a few things are happening here. Basically, the GAO is saying... We need a way to track whether non-federal systems, you know, systems that aren't uh, subject to stringent federal oversight, are being used by employees, figure out what the risks are of these systems, and put into place uh, checks to make sure that these systems aren't being abused. Hmm, okay. And, of course, the context of all of this is we know uh, some of the pitfalls of facial recognition technology. Um, it has, of course, been found to have racial biases. Right. Uh, and um, you know, while the federal government hasn't really taken action to curb the use of facial recognition technology, we have seen cities, states, localities start to curb or put rules and regulations on the use of uh, of this tool because of its potential for abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this GAO report, I think, is going to be pretty widely read among some of the more civil libertarian uh, oriented members in Congress. Um, there was legislation introduced in the previous Congress to try and rein in the use of facial recognition technology, uh, and that effort has been replicated in the current Congress. A bill has been proposed, uh, just introduced in the last month, that would put a moratorium on the technology by the federal government uh, until, in the words of one political leader, we figure out what the uh, heck is going on. <laughs> uh, so I think that that's uh, something that we we really could see happen, where – Uh, Congress puts in a moratorium on the use of facial recognition technology unless the specific technology or system is approved by an act of Congress, Hmm. uh, among other things, as part of those reform pieces of legislation.
1: We've seen some agencies kind of using end-arounds if there's a piece of technology that they want to use, but maybe it's not uh, directly accessible to them. They will engage with a contractor who then... Uh, gets to use that. Is 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 this addressing in, any of that sort of thing? Yeah, it does. Uh, I, I think what the GAO
2: is saying, what other civil liberties organizations are saying is, unless we put widely applicable broad rules on law enforcement's use of facial recognition technology, they are going to keep finding these loopholes. So that's why the administration and Congress need to take action now, uh, because otherwise, the agencies themselves are going to be unfettered in trying to, uh, you know to, to do an end around current regulations. Mm. You know the fact that thirteen of the fourteen agencies that they interviewed aren't tracking which commercial facial recognition products their employees are using mm-hmm. uh, is a pretty big wake-up call that there is just not sufficient oversight here. Mm. Of course, you understand why law enforcement uh, needs to use facial recognition technology, wants to use it, Right. it's very useful in apprehending criminals, especially in when you have these wide-scale investigations where there's very little actual evidence. Um, and you're, you know, one thing I'm, I'm certainly thinking about is uh, the, Janu- the January 6th insurrection investigation mm-hmm. where you have thousands, millions of uh, pictures and images and you're trying to match up potential criminals to to their faces. You can understand why it's an effective tool. Right. Who Uh, was where, when. Exactly. Uh, But, you know, without having any sort of uniform rules in place about how this technology is used, uh, about what systems in particular are being used, then it certainly is a recipe for disaster. So I think, uh, and, you know, that's what the GAO is for. They put out these reports because members of Congress don't have the time or resources to to do that research themselves uh, necessarily and figure out, um, you know, these these oversight gaps. Is
1: is there generally, I mean, is there bipartisan support for this sort of thing? or Are folks on both sides of the aisle cautious when it comes to facial recognition?
2: Yes. I will say two things, though. There's bipartisan support for more regulation of uh, facial recognition software and bipartisan opposition, uh, oh, interesting. I just think it doesn't fall neatly along partisan lines. I uh-huh. think it's kind of a, a horseshoe thing where you have extreme left wing civil libertarians saying, you know, this has significant racial biases. We need to uh, put a stop to this, uh, you know, before it perpetuates systemic racism. Right. And then on the other side, you know, people on the right wing who say this is Big Brother, this is uh, government overreach, this mm-hmm. is targeting, uh, you know. Our- <laughs>
1: there's something here for everyone to hate.
2: <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then there's, you know, people in the middle of the horseshoe on both sides of the aisle who are like, eh, kind of like to have this
1: as a you know we can see how this is an effective law enforcement tool
2: yeah so it just doesn't really neatly uh divide along those partisan lines which i always Mm. find interesting
1: Yeah, yeah yeah that is interesting all right well ben yellen thanks for joining us thank you And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland, out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Carrigan, Carol Terrio. That's cyberwire.com slash survey, and share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations.